Good morning. Um, so, as Kevin said, my name is Neil Montgomery, not a pastor. <laughs> so, um, when, when Ryan asked me to, to share a message this morning, uh, it, it made me think, and I, I went back to the last time that I actually teached or, or preached in a, in a church environment, and I was about seven years ago, I think, um, and we were in, in Malawi um, at an outreach, and the cool thing was we, we actually, I actually preached or teach with an with interpreter, so the nice thing about that is you, you have a lot of time to think about your next sentence. <laughs> so, uh, so this morning I don't have an official interpreter, but I have been told that sometimes my accent is difficult to understand, so, so all the South Africans in, in the room, you need to be my, my interpreter, you know, the non-South Africans, if you don't understand, you know, just go to... Or put your hand up and, you know, maybe ask the South African. Hopefully there's an African close to you. All right. Um, so the last um, seven weeks or so, we've been uh, exploring Exodus. And um, we've been looking at how um, Exodus and the book of Exodus actually points to Jesus and to what he came to do and the work that he, that he came to do and, and what that means for us. And it was neat to kind of see how... Even in the Old Testament, you can, you can see how God wants to reveal Jesus. Um, so this morning, we're coming to the, the final chapter, chapter 40. Um, and just a bit of a background. I mean, at the moment, we, we were blessed, Marina and myself, um, with having a, a, our second a baby boy about a, m- a month ago. So, uh, so if you if you see me maybe just closing my eyes a little bit and kind of um, just going silent, I'm just like taking a power nap, you know. So, <laughs> just just as I'm standing, <laughs> we haven't been yeah, getting a lot of sleep. Uh, you know, you, you got your parents would know um, kind of that first month is pretty pretty rough. Um, but it also made me think about um, just like a pregnancy that we went through, um, and uh, you know just filled with, with so much emotions. Um, the first time when you actually find out, um, you know, you're pregnant and, and there's that joyous moment. Um, also a little bit of nervousness sneaking in, you know, are you ready? Um, and then you maybe go for your first scan and you actually see the, the baby um, kind of at 12 weeks already fully formed. Um, and then, you know, you maybe find out the, the gender of the baby and it's, it's all exciting times and you start the nursery um, and then I think you, I mean, going through the first, second trimester, maybe some, somewhere in, in the third trimester, you just feel like, especially maybe you know, your, your wife that actually is carrying the baby, you know, they just might feel, okay, I just want it to be time now for this baby to come. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty exhausted. To, um, you know, I'm, I'm, my body's changing. It's just I'm, I'm going through all of these things, and you, you kind of just maybe hit up a little bit of a low, and you, like, you feel like, okay, um, it might be a good time for, for the baby to come, although it's not, you know, God's time yet. Um, and then, you know, you, that, you know, by God's grace, you get through that and you get to the, to the delivery stage. And, and that's, that's kind of where we're at um, in, in the book of Exodus. Uh, we've, we've gone through the, the rescuing out of Egypt and how God mightily rescued them, the Israelites out of Egypt um, and going through the Red Sea, how he miraculously opened up the Red Sea for them, and them singing songs, you know, on the other side of the Red Sea, uh, being full of joy, um, and then going on and, and meeting up with God, and Moses meeting up with God, and then entering into that covenant uh, with God, and then promising that, you know, the Israelites promising that we will be 
your people and you'll be our God and we'll do as you command us. Um, and then we see that a couple of chapters later how you know, they just fall short of that and they ask Aaron to make this golden calf um, because they're saying, you know, we, we don't know where Moses is. Um, he's been up in the mountain. We don't even know if Moses is still alive. You know, just, just make us something that we can see at least. Um, and then, you know, God's grace, still, still sufficient, tells them to actually now uh, start building this tabernacle. Um, and that's kind of, you know, we now in, in Exodus 40, um, going to be reading from verse 16 onwards which is uh, basically now the erection of the, of the tabernacle, uh, which leads to God actually um, bringing down his presence and filling the tabernacle. Just before I read, I just want to have a quick, quick prayer as well. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we can come this morning and we can be washed by your word. Um, I pray that the words of my mouth will be pleasing unto you and bring glory to you, Lord. And uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you have your way in this place and open up our ears and our eyes. And our hearts, Lord, to receive from you. In Jesus' name. Okay, so Exodus 40 from verse 16. In the Bibles, in the chair pockets, it's page 69. This Moses did, according to all that the Lord commanded him. So he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put, it, and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark, and he put the poles on, on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil, and arranged the bread on it before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting, opposite the tabernacle, on the south side of the tabernacle, and set up the lamps before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded, commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil, and burned fragrance incense on it, and the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses, he put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle. And he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. And offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering, and the, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in, in it for washing. With which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their feet, sorry, their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting, and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So, so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses, were not, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night. 
in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. This is God's word. Okay, so um, we saw in, 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 in Exodus how, like I said, it points to, to the gospel and to Jesus. Um, and we, we've been summarizing it uh, as, uh, as follows. God only saves individuals through Jesus Christ to make them in a people who join with him in building an everlasting kingdom. So I just want to kind of um, set out a bit of the, um, the sermon outline, um, just so you can, you can kind of follow. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to each one of these points. Um, so starting off, uh, we're going to start to see and look at God's redemptive plan. Um, then we're going to look at the Israelites and our problem. And then we're going to go over to looking at God's grace and... Um, Hopefully we'll have some, some takeaways at the end that we can actually apply to our lives. So um, I thought I'll start off with a nutshell and then end with it again so, so it kind of builds some tension and then we can come back to it at the end. Um, so, so the nutshell, after a lot of tweaking <laughs> today, is um, Jesus completed the work so that we might enter into and flourish in God's kingdom. So let's start. Um, Looking at God's redemptive plan. So first, it's His way and not ours. Um, if we look at, if we just take a little bit of a step back and we look at verses 3 to 15 of chapter 40. Um, God goes through these detailed instructions that He gives Moses to actually um, erect or, or set up the tabernacle. Um, and even prior to that, um, if you guys would recall, you know, in, in previous um, sessions, we learned that he actually instructed the Israelites and they told, the, told them what um, materials to use to actually build the different components of the tabernacle. Um, he actually set out an appointed time for it. Um, so from this, we can, we can learn that God's plan needs to happen on his way, in his way, um, and not, not ours. I think um, all too often these days um, we feel like we want to kind of just make uh, God's plan fit into our plans. So we, we wanna, uh, we, we're happy that you know, he's, he's a gracious God, but he wants, we want him to um, do it our way. Um, I recall out of my own life, um, I, I grew up in a, in a, in a Christian home. Uh, I used to go to church since, since a young age, and I did the whole Sunday school thing, and I, I knew a lot of the Old Testament stories. Um, and I kind of progressed through um, Sunday school, and you get to a stage in, uh, where you can actually now um, become a full member of the church, and you, you, you get up a lot of times. I think I was maybe about 16 or 17 years old, and you go, in, go to the front of the church, and then you are given this opportunity to declare your faith. Um, although I think a lot of us kind of going through that don't necessarily know what, what we're doing, <laughs> but everybody else does it. So, so we go and we, we kind of, um, you know, say those words and, and we become a full member. So, so that was my kind of church life growing up and, 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 and you know, how, how I perceived Christianity. And then um, I went off to, to do a year in, in England. I uh, uh, did like a gap year. 
Um, then you know, all of those, obviously, all of those things kind of fell away. I didn't have any structure. I could just do what I wanted to do. Um, coming back to university, um, still, you know, now I could, you know, do everything I wanted to do and kind of have the, the parties and do, you know, just what I like to do. And I, I could even do it with, with friends of mine rather than, you know, that speaks Afrikaans, <laughs> rather than doing it with people in, in England that, that doesn't really understand me. So, um, so I thought, you know, life is great. I still went to, 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 to church on, on, on Sundays. Um, and then just after a, a long process, and I'll come back to it a little bit later on in the sermon, um, God actually just revealed to me that, um, on a, in, a, in a very kind of difficult way, but out of, the, out of his word, he was just telling me um, through 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, um, basically just said, you know, the way that you're living, what you think about Christianity, what you think about um, relationship with me, um, you've got it all wrong, and you don't have a part of my kingdom. That was the first like, time that I actually... Read the Bible and it kind of just jumped out at me, and I just heard God speaking. Um, obviously, it wasn't a great word <laughs> as, as your first word, you know, saying, Neil, you, you don't have a part of my kingdom, um, the way that you're actually living your life at the moment. Um, similarly, we also see that um, the tabernacle had one entrance point. Um, so they only had one gate through which people could actually enter the tabernacle. And I believe it points to, to Jesus uh, as well. And, and Jesus being the only method of going, coming into a relationship with, with God the Father. Um, if, we, if we look at it, John 14 verse 6, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Also, we also have John 10, verse 7, which says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. So it's, it's important for us to, to realize that if we want to enter into relationship with the Lord, if we want to be part of His redemptive plan, we need to do it His way. Right, so let's go over to the second, second part of uh, God's redemptive plan. It requires obedience through faith. So we see in, in verses 17 to 33, we see that Moses was obedient, uh, meticulously obedient to everything that God instructed him. Um, even in all of the small details, as I was reading, I felt like I was repeating the same sentence over and over again, basically the sentence that says, and Moses did all that God commanded him. Um, I think it comes out about seven times uh, in, in verses 17 to 33. Um, I believe it shows just how important it was for Moses to actually be obedient um, to what God instructed. And whilst he was obedient, he also actually had to do all of this in faith. Um, if you think about it, God was instructing Moses to do all of these things. Moses then went to the Israelites and said, you know, we need to build this tabernacle. We need to build it in a very specific way. Um, but we don't actually know what the end result's going to be. Um, we're hoping that God fulfills the promises. We're hoping that God's going to come into our midst and live with us. 
um, but we don't know that. Um, I think God's salvation and, and, and His plan for salvation always requires that, that obedience um, together with doing that in faith. Um, even thinking about um, Noah, when, when Noah had to build the ark um, at a time when, when again, go, uh, God instructed him to, to build this ark, um, possibly there wasn't a lot of water around. Um, he was kind of building this massive boat or ark and, and, and on kind of dry land. Um, and then he had to take a step further and actually like <laughs> get some animals um, and kind of lead the animals with his family into this ark. Um, and then he actually stayed in the ark for seven days. So like for seven days he had this probably just waiting um, and he had this time to actually pull out or say, you know, God, this is too much. I'm sitting in this big boat. There's no water around. Um, and I'm sitting in this boat with all of these animals. Uh, what's, what's happening? Um, so just uh, that's, you know, we can see that in Genesis 6:14, where uh, God says, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. So just, as I said, you know, again, very similar to Exodus, God actually giving Noah this instruction. And then Genesis 6:22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Again, that same uh, theme is, is, is repeating itself um, of getting an instruction and then being obedient to that. Um, so that brings us to verse 33 um, where we have this great verse and it, it speaks about and it says, uh, Moses completed the work. Um, so he did everything that, that God commanded him to do and he, and he finished the work. Um, so this is also a foreshadowing, and it, it kind of tells us and shows us again to, to Jesus, um, and Moses being this uh, type of, of Jesus, or a small Jesus, this um, intermediary, um, this mediator. Um, so if we, if we look at Jesus as well, um, he basically executed all of God's instructions meticulously as well, even to the point of death. Um, we read in Philippians 2, verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then we all know or that um, when Jesus was on the cross and he did everything and he completed the work, just before he died, he also uttered these words in, in John 19, 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, "It is finished." With that, he blowed out. His, sorry, with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So, the good news for us is that Jesus completed the work, and Jesus was the one that was obedient. So, point three: um, looking at God's redemptive plan. Um, his kingdom is much more than just salvation. He didn't just take the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt um, and, and uh, out of that oppression and out of that slavery and then to leave them you know, in the desert and to say, well, okay, I've saved you now. You're in a desert. You know, good riddance and, and goodbye. Hope you have a good life. That's never, that, was never part of, that was never the intention of God's plan. Um, 
He, he saved them uh, miraculously through taking them through the Red Sea. Um, and then he actually started them on this journey of, of making them his people and telling them that he wants to be their God. Um, so, and he eventually actually he wants to actually dwell with them. Uh, he wants to have fellowship with them. The same, you know, what, what he had with Adam and Eve in, in the Garden of, of Eden. Um, actually being able to, to be amongst the people that he created. Um, so, very similar today, God's desire and his plan for our salvation um, is not just to save us out of the bondage of sin or, or out of the slavery and, and being enslaved in sin. But it's actually to... It's actually to be our king, um, to, for us to be his people. He wants to lead us. He wants to protect us. Ultimately, he wants to dwell amongst us. And um, he, wants to be, he wants to have fellowship with us. Not just one day when we go into heaven, but actually since Jesus died on the cross, um, his kingdom already started um, here on earth, and we can see glimpses of that. Um, and it will all be perfected one day when Jesus comes back. So, just looking at Revelations 3, verse 20, God says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and and they with me. So God's desire for us is actually to have fellowship, to, for him to tabernacle, I believe that translates into actually having fellowship with us. Um, okay, so, so we've set out kind of God's redemptive plan. Um, it needs to be done in his way. Um, he needs implicit and, 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 and explicit obedience um, through faith. And his plan is much more than just rescuing or saving us. It's actually for us to, to have fellowship with him and to be in relationship with God the Father through Jesus. Um, now we get to the, the, the problem uh, that the Israelites have, and I believe that we still share with, with um, them today. So I think the, it's not very explicit out of the passage that we read, but looking at Exodus as a whole, we can see that the Israelites didn't trust that God is who he says he is or that he could do what he says he will do. So they didn't trust that he is who he says he is and, he, and they didn't trust that he could actually or wants to do what he says that he will do. Um, so we can look. We can look at um, just the, re- the reference again to um, the golden calf. As soon as the Israelites didn't see God, or they couldn't, you know, it's because God is this invisible God, they, they fell back to what they knew. And in Egypt, they, the Egyptians had all of these different gods, and, and uh, even the Pharaoh was, was kind of treated as a god, and you had all of these statues. Um, all of these idols that, that people could actually look at. Um, although they didn't necessarily have 
massive power, they were something that was visual. And, and uh, I think um, as soon as, even though God actually took the Israelites out of Egypt through doing all of these miraculous signs and wonders, the ten plagues, and then they hit the, the Red Sea, and then the Red Sea opens up, um, and they actually walk through, um, and then they get to the desert, and they don't have food, they don't have drink, and God miraculously again provides that through the manna, um, that comes the bread that came from heaven, and, and he provided for, uh, for meat, uh, the birds, and, um, and even the water, sometimes miraculously, maybe coming out of a stream in a rock, um, or other times just in the natural, uh, bringing them to an oasis in the desert. Um, so God was so, I mean, you would think that the Israelites would, would actually not have any problem believing this God. I mean, they, they saw all of these things that, that this miraculous God did. Uh, but still, as soon as Moses was, was away, you know, they make reference to the fact that they can't see Moses anymore. You know, just, just make this call for us. Um, so we at least have something that we can hold on to and see. And I think that's it's very true for us today. Um, we, we have the, the hindsight of, of Jesus coming to earth and, and, and him dying on the cross for us. Um, and we've got the Bible um, that we can turn to and we can read. Um, and we, can, we even just have the day-to-day many blessings that God pours out on us. Um, being able to enjoy nature, um, especially in Cayman, and um, just seeing God's creation. Um, maybe spending some time with a friend um, and being reminded of, of, of God's goodness. We, we subject and we receive all of these many blessings from the Lord. Um, yet, I think there's so many times that it's so difficult for us to actually believe His promises. Um, so many times we still find more security maybe in saving a, you know, a, a good healthy bank balance than actually trusting that God will care for tomorrow. Um, as he says in his word, you know, like the birds of the sky and, and the lilies of the field, you know, I take care of them and how much more will I take care of you guys? Um, but it's difficult for us. It's difficult for us to hang on to this promise. Um, because we can't see God. We don't, it's, God's not a physical um, presence. Um, he's this invisible God. And, and that's why it's, it's difficult for us to actually um, believe He is who he, he says He is and believe that He will actually do what He promises uh, us to do, that, that He will do. Luckily for us, and, and, and by grace, God wasn't thrown by, by this problem, problem that the Israelites had. And also, um, he's not thrown by kind of our disbelief or, or our unbelief today. Um, I believe part of his grace was actually um, to show the Israelites that he actually physically occupied the tabernacle. So we see in verse 34, Then a cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So God was gracious to the Israelites. So even in, his, in, in that plan of his, um, he actually physically you know, showed them a picture of how he came to live with them. He gave them this instruction to build this home on earth. And then the cloud actually came down and it says that the glory was so, so amazing and so powerful that Moses couldn't even enter 
the tabernacle. Remember earlier in, in the chapter, Moses was actually able to, to speak to God. And, 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 Moses, and God covered his eyes not to see him face to face, but he actually was in, in, in um, God's presence. So this manifestation of, of God's presence when the tabernacle was finished was actually probably the biggest manifestation that the Israelites have ever seen um, in, in their history with, with the Lord. It was even bigger than you know, when, when Moses actually um, was in his presence and, and received the, the Ten Commandments. Um, and, and also for us today, I mean, um, we have God's grace. He's, he's gracious to actually... Uh, provide a solution to that problem that we have. First point in regards to looking at God's grace and how he actually facilitates his plan um, is, is looking at God empowers and enables us and facilitates the execution of his plan. So God is the one that actually enables and empowers. Um, if you think about last week's sermon, Ryan spoke about the craftsman. Um, those strange, strange names. I'm going to try and pronounce them. Bezalel and Oho Liab. <laughs> so he, we'll leave it at that. So the, those are the guys that we heard about last week. Um, and, and, and how God, through the Holy Spirit, actually empowered them and, 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 and trusted in them these gifts of, of craftsmanship so that they could actually make the things that um, God wanted them to make to put into the the temple, and he, he, and he blessed them with wisdom um, to teach others as well. Um, I believe today God still supernaturally enables and, and, and um, empowers individuals to, to um, do his ministry and also um, to, to lead others closer to him. Uh, I said I will come back to, to my story. Um, so when I was in university the first year, uh, I was in a, in a race in Salenbosch uh, called Dagbreuk. And um, you, when you get into the race for the first time, you kind of step into the race and then they, they, into the residence and then they actually uh, take you into this little room and they, you have to take a photo. So you get like, a tie and a suit and you, you, you get your first year photo taken um, by these intimidating uh, older guys with beards and stuff. <laughs> Um, so anyways, I walk into that room and then, um, I see this other, other, um, first year, uh, he's got like a trucker cap and like clothes that I'm not really into. Um, so I just, my, my, the first thoughts that kind of popped into my head was just like, I know these, you know, these guys are setting us up with roommates. We can't choose our roommates. I just hope that my roommate is not this guy. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to get along. You know, he's, he's like surfer type guy. I'm, I, I'm more into the sports side of things. So, you know, just, just hope that this is not going to be my roommate. Anyway, I don't even know why I thought about it because there's like 400 other, or sorry, like 100 other like first years. Anyway, surely enough, I get to the, uh, out my dorm room and I see this guy standing in the dorm room. He's like, yes, we're going to be <laughs> roommates. And I'm like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so this, this guy is called uh, Albert. Um, he he um, was actually God. I mean, he was just such a, although he was such an unlikely friend, um, God used him so powerfully in, in my life and in, in actually bringing me uh, to salvation. I remember, um, you know, we just, like I said, I immediately just enjoying my first year 
and then uh, I would come back and be, um, you know, not feeling so well after a big night out. And uh, next morning, um, Albert would be there and saying, oh, so, you know, how are things? <laughs> so he had a big light, night last night. Um, you know, it's, it's Sunday, so, so you're probably going to church today. It, it, uh, a bit weird because, um, I, I, you know, I believe that the God that I'm serving um, is a different God from the God that you're serving. Um, I know you say that you um, are a Christian, and, uh, but, you know, I just, just don't see it. So you kind of challenge, I'm like, oh, Albert, just stop talking. Can I go to church now? So, you know, just leave me alone. Um, so that would just kind of, that just happened for the whole year. Um, and uh, sometimes he would challenge me. Sometimes he would just, you know, kind of encourage me. Um, but anyway, that, that, even through that um, whole kind of, I felt like a bit of annoying side of, of Albert, uh, we still became, this, you know, really great friends. He was this musician guy, surfer. He would sing, like, sit in his room and just play his guitar. But I don't know, like, other musicians, I mean, they, you know, you, you, you don't really play a song. You just kind of, like, straddle the, the guitar. <laughs> and so, so I think for people that actually um, are doing that, you know, they're obviously, you know, learning new things or whatever, but somebody just listening to that, becomes really annoying. <laughs> just play a song already, you know. Just <laughs> why are you just like you know doing these bits and pieces? So anyway, so we had all of these differences, um, and then the second year came around, and uh, we actually had opportunity to to um, choose our roommates, and I chose him again for my roommate. <laughs> and we we actually uh, in, in roommates for about three or four years in in, in resin. Um, Anyway, long story short, um, God so, I mean, I, I truly believe that it was God enabling Albert to actually be so faithful and to keep on encouraging me, to keep on praying for me, to keep on inviting me to church. Um, and yeah, to me, that's just a testimony of, of, of God still today actually um, empowering us to, to, to draw other people closer to him. So the second, second bit of, of God's grace um, is looking at obedience. As, I, as we said, Moses had to be obedient. Um, but the grace is that Jesus did what we could not. Um, looking at Exodus again, up to verse 16. So most of the preparation for the tabernacle, um, all the way up to verse 16 in chapter 40. It was a collective um, effort. You know, Moses gave instructions out. We, we see, we know the craftsmen and all of the other people that, that God stirred um, actually partook in, in building these different parts of the tabernacle. But then we get to verse 17 and we have this shift from the collective to Moses. From verse 17 onwards, as we read, um, it was all up to Moses to actually erect the tabernacle, to put all of these pieces together. Um, I was speaking to Pastor Ryan when we went through the, the notes, and, and he was saying, um, yeah, even the, just putting the basin there with the water, I mean, surely he could have just, you know, delegated that. It would have been more, more efficient if he, you know, just delegated that little task, you know, to some minion um, say, you know, you just, I've got my hands full, I'm erecting this whole tabernacle, you know, just, you just Take some water, put it into that basin, and, and put it in front of the, uh, you know, holy of, or sorry, in front of actually the holy place. 
for the washing of the, of the priests. But not even that, you know, all of the things Moses actually had to do. And I think, and I believe that, that that's a, a foreshadowing of what Jesus came to do. Um, we know that God's plan requires obedience through faith. The grace is that we don't have to rely on our own obedience. Jesus, oh, sorry, God sent Jesus to actually be obedient on our behalf. Let's look at Matthew 5:20. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, yeah, on the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus basically says to all of these guys listening, um, you know, your, your righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And to the listeners in that day, it would have said, it, it basically meant there's no way that you can enter the kingdom of God. Um, because the Pharisees were the most righteous people um, trying their best to fulfill God's laws. Um, and yet, Jesus is telling them, you need to be more righteous than that. Um, and basically, it just means that it, it is impossible for us to, to or it's been possible for us through our obedience to, to just enter into that relationship or being put into right standing with God. We need Jesus. We, we see in, in Romans 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So none of us can do it. None of us can do it on our own. Just like the Israelites couldn't erect the tabernacle and that to be Moses, we can actually find comfort in the fact that it's not up to us. It's not up to our obedience. God's plan is facilitated through Jesus' obedience. Then, last part of God's grace, God gives us a helper. So, looking back at Exodus again, God doesn't, when, now then the, the, when the tabernacle was, was completed, um, God didn't just fill the tabernacle with his presence. Um, but we actually read in, in verse 36, throughout so sorry, verse 35. No, no, it is 36. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. So he fills the tabernacle. He lives amongst the Israelites. But he's also this tangible help and this leading to 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 the Israelites in the desert. Um, when the cloud lifted, they say, okay, let's you know, pick up, let's set up camp, or pick up the camp and put it on our backs, and then uh, and, and walk, you know, and, and this journey again. Um, and then there where, where the cloud settles again, this is where we need to find rest again. So, again, very similar today, um, God and Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit to be our helper. We read in John sixteen seven, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the helper 
will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Then John 14, verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then finally, Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So again, we can be encouraged that we do not have to live this Christian life or go on this journey in regards to relationship with the Lord on our own. We actually, or God actually, sends and pours out His Holy Spirit um, not to live in, in, a, in a, a dwelling made by, by men, but actually to come and live in us. Um, so we become the, the tabernacle, um, the temple for the Holy Spirit. So being, yeah, just as an encouragement to all of us, um, we don't have to do this. Um, we, well, firstly, we can't do this on our own. It, we need to look to Jesus and His obedience and the cross. But secondly, once we actually enter into a relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ, we can still rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us and to comfort us and to teach us. Um, just a practical point. I mean, I never actually read the Bible and understood it until I started asking the Holy Spirit to reveal things to me. It was all these words, and sometimes it could be very confusing. I think if, we, if we're honest about it. Um, but again, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus and to reveal His plans. And also to treat the Word as, um, as an interactive um, communication line. You know, ask God, um, or tell God your frustrations, tell God the things that you're struggling with, ask Him the questions that you have, and trust that He can actually provide answers to, uh, through the Bible. Um, through the written word of God. Okay, so that brings us to our takeaways, to our applications. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom to actually not just hear the word today, but actually to start applying it to our lives. Um, there might be some of you guys here today that, that hasn't made that step yet, that hasn't actually gone to that stage where they feel like they want to trust God completely. Um, trust in his salvation plan and receive his salvation. Um, so you guys, are, I believe God's saying that um, be encouraged because he's pursuing you. Um, God's active in his pursuit of you. Um, and he's going to create circumstances, maybe you may be even going through some things today um, or the last week or, or month. Um, and God's going to use that to, to draw you closer to him. He's, he's going to use people to... Uh, to draw you into relationship with him. Um, he's so dedicated to, to wanting to have relationship with you. Um, and then those of us who have trusted Christ, those of us who, who walk in relationship with the Lord, um, maybe God wants to use you to actually bless somebody else. Maybe God wants to, to use you to actually bring somebody else closer to the Lord, similar to how he used Albert. Um, so again, maybe in this last month, uh, God's been prompting you, maybe saying, you know, you, we, I want you to step out in faith here. Maybe invite this person to church. Invite this person to, to small group. Um, even just pray for this person. 
Um, I want to encourage you to, to, to be obedient to that. It's not only going to bless that other person, but it's actually going to build your faith. Every time you step out in faith, every time you you obedient to what, asks, what God asks you to do, um, your own faith is stirred up, and it, it becomes a memorial that you can look back at um, and say, wow, you know, I was... It was daunting, and it felt weird to go to this person and, and say, can I pray for you? But when I did it, um, God came through. God is faithful even if we are faithless. Then, last takeaway. Oh, sorry, second takeaway. Um, don't believe the lie that it's about your obedience, you know, that you have to come and be good enough. You have to just do um, the best that you can do, and hopefully, you know, that's going to be enough for God. Um, I believe we need to say that's a lie that, that the enemy and the accuser a lot of times kind of catches us in. Um, don't believe that lie. When you hear that lie or when those thoughts come through your head, just remind the accuser that it's about the obedience of Jesus. And as we read today, he's already completed that work on the cross. Then finally, there's hope for all of us. Um, we, we heard last week about this tension of Saturday and us living in between this Easter Friday and Sunday. And, um, you know, we, we know that Jesus came and he, he died and he rose again. And we know that uh, and we trust that he's going to come back one day and, and, and perf- perfect the plan. But yet we're still living in this in-between place. Um, so we can have hope in that Jesus is actually going to come one day to complete the work that he started. We're going to see glimpses of the kingdom of God now already, especially if we step out in faith, especially as we are be, uh, being obedient. Um, but we know that even if there's sufferings now, and even if you may be going through some hard times, um, be encouraged that um, the glory that's to come is going to be far surpass the time that we live in or the sufferings that you might be going through today. Um, if we look at Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he, that he who began a good work in you will carry it onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. We can put in, we, can, we, we shall see God face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Then finally, Revelations 7, verse 9 and 10. After this I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Just recapping and going back to to our nutshell. Jesus completed the work so that we might enter into 
and not just enter into, but actually flourish in God's kingdom. Amen.